The names in this story have been changed. The story itself is true. Mary Beth Kramer writes, I never dreamed it could happen to me. Considered by others to be a spiritual leader, the straight and narrow had always been a joy and blessing to me until the day I found myself emotionally entangled with a married man. I fully realized that true love was a decision, a choice, and a gift from God. Therefore, I could not truly be in love with this man. He belonged biblically with another woman. My feelings were my worst enemy. It all started the day that James was introduced to the congregation of our church. He had moved to take the position of administrator in the Christian school in which I taught. I was single in my late 20s, beginning to feel like second skimmings, and upon meeting James, James, I thought, if only you were not married. My own mother intensified things by stating, Mary Beth, if only he were not attached, it's as if you were made for each other. From the very beginning, we clicked. In personality, sense of humor, even spiritual walk, I would have my quiet time in the morning and go to school only to hear James use the exact same scripture and make the same application as mine in the student's morning devotional time. And this happened time after time. James and I never stopped laughing and talking. I admired him and he made it clear that he admired me by allowing me to overhear him saying things like, Mary Beth can do anything teach, sing, write, cook. To intensify matters, James and his wife were going through a difficult time. She had just had a baby and was going through the baby blues, which seemed to last for months. She also insisted on the baby sleeping with her, moving her husband to the sofa night after night. He jokingly told people about it and turned to me for the attention and camaraderie he was missing at home. And I I was begging God to please take these feelings I was having away from me. I want to read a couple of verses right off the screen from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Read it out loud with me, would you please, all together. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to speak for a little while this morning on the subject, God's way to deal with your wrong emotions. And notice that I said your wrong emotions because different people have different problems in different areas, especially do men tend to have a greater problem in one area and ladies in another area. And notice that I said wrong emotions because all emotions are not wrong, but most of us at some time have some wrong emotions. You may be godly and spiritual and have a lot of potential. You are still subject to the wrong emotions. In Numbers 20, Moses was told to speak to the rock And it would bring forth water, but instead Moses smote the rock, not once but twice. It was a picture of man's anger. And when I hear that story, I wonder how many holes were left in walls all across 
America last night because of men feeling like they have to hit something to get out their frustrations. Now let me ask this question. What was God's way for Moses to deal with his anger? If you study the passage, you might think that Moses' anger was justified by the murmuring and the discontent of the people. But the consequences he faced show very clearly that his anger was not justified. In fact, I don't believe that man can biblically justify any anger whatsoever. In Psalm Psalm 37, 8, we read, cease from anger and forsake wrath. In James chapter 1, verse 20, we read, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And Ephesians 4, 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away from you. But most of us at some time have some wrong emotions. And the second key thought ties in with that first thought, and that is then that emotions are so powerful that we have a tendency to just follow them. Samson was in love with Delilah. According to Judges 16, 15, Samson had told Delilah that he loved her. But Delilah was a Philistine and a harlot, and Samson was a judge of Israel. In Genesis 34, Shechem was in love with Dinah. In Genesis 39, Potiphar's wife was apparently in love with or at least deeply infatuated with Joseph. And I'm thinking right now of a young lady about 20 years of age raised in a Bible-believing church started living with a fellow who was clearly not God's choice for her life. When told she ought not to continue to live with him and ought to leave him, She replied, but I can't leave him because I love him. And then when he threatened to kill her husband, it got even worse. And I'm thinking of another situation with a single man who was dating and planning to marry a woman who was already married but was separated from her husband. And when told he should break things off, he replied, but I can't break it off. I love her. And there's my opening story again. And uh, Mary Beth Kramer is writing, I was begging God to please take these feelings away. The mystery of it all was but overwhelming. I remember one night when I had worked late during vacation Bible school and was just leaving the church, I noticed the most beautiful yellow harvest moon shining. And I had this romantic thought. If only James and I could gaze at a moment like that together, at a moon like that together, and at that very moment, he pulled up into the driveway. He stepped out and we stood there romantically gazing at the awesome sight. Then he leaned over and whispered, we've got to stop meeting like this. And we laughed and we were off. And I was so active in the church and the school that all too often the stage was set for glances and moments like I just described. The crossroads came when another married man called me, scaring me half to death. I immediately went to James for 
to ask his advice. He was already in the habit of counseling me about my life. We prayed together alone. A big mistake to begin with. And as he said, Amen, he shook my hand gently and said, I love you. He was speaking spiritually, of course, but... It was like pouring gas on a fire already ablaze. He insisted on talking more about this man who had called me. So he led me into his office and then shut the door, leaving the two of us alone in the room together. And I rationalized, he's more spiritual than I am. Maybe in this instance, it's okay. He then confessed his attraction to me. He spoke the words. I broke into sobs and told him more than I meant to. I said that I was having a tremendous spiritual battle. I should have said I'm having a war over him. And I will share more of that story later. But most of us at some time have some wrong emotions. In 1 Kings chapter 18, God gave Elijah a great victory by sending down fire from heaven and consuming the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust. Then Jezebel threatened Elijah. And full of the emotion of fear, he ran for his life. In the next chapter, weary and full of discouragement, Elijah sat down under a juniper tree and prayed to die. Most of us have some wrong emotions and they're so powerful we have a tendency to simply follow them wherever they lead us. We could talk on and on about the emotions of the people of the Bible, Naomi and her discouragement, Saul. His jealousy and his anger, Pilate, and his fear of the people, Judas, and his depression, Peter, and his fear of a little girl, the widow of Zarephath, and her fear for her future. Thirdly, we need to understand how and why God made our emotions. In fact, there are three things here that we need to understand. First of all, Why God made emotions. Why did he make them anyway? We've all got them. Why did he make them? Secondly, what has happened to them? And thirdly, more important than you might think, where are your emotions located inside of you anyway? Now, a key to understanding any significant area of human life is to ask this question What was God's original purpose for this in His original perfect creation? What was His original intent and design when He gave us emotions? Now, when I went back and read Genesis 3 in light of that question, I saw things I had never seen before. First of all, We're emotional beings because we're made in the image of God. And God himself is pictured as having and displaying emotions. Jesus showed many emotions while on earth, but never in a wrong way. God's design for emotions in his perfect creation in the Garden of Eden was so Adam and Eve could sense joy and peace and love in their relationships and fellowships with God and with each other. 
And of course they had a wonderful time in the Garden of Eden. But then they disobeyed God. And they were driven out of the light of the garden into the darkness of following their own way and the darkness of wrong emotions as well. And part of the curse on man and woman relates to the primary fears that they each face. The primary negative emotion for a man is probably frustration and anger. He tries to get things done. And everything gets in his way. Fellas, how many of you ever felt that one? Genesis chapter 3. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. The pressure of not being able to accomplish what you plan to accomplish. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread woman's curse interestingly related to her reproductive system genesis 3:16 under the woman he said i will greatly multiply thy sorrow that's the same word that was used back there for adam and thy conception in sorrow pain hurt offense thou shalt bring forth children and what has medical science Discovered that relates to a woman's reproductive system, her hormones. And every lady who has lived for a while knows that at certain times of life, her hormones seem to go crazy and her emotions may go a little bit crazy at the same time. So many ladies have as their primary emotion the feeling of fear. Who knows what my husband is going to do next. I tell you that man sometimes he drives me crazy. One girl said to her friend if you could have two wishes what would they be. And uh, the other girl said well I would wish for a husband. And the first one said well that's only the first wish. I know the second one said I'd save my second wish till I saw how he turned out. (laughs) So anyway. And so many men leaving their wives, just walking away, adds to that fear. A man asked hundreds of younger and older women, what is a woman's greatest danger? And they all seemed to affirm that the answer was unpredictable emotions. A wise, godly lady said this to me. Ladies have a definite area of battle in relation to their emotions. Her emotions make submission more difficult for her. Men have a natural mistrust of things ladies say when they are being led by their emotions. And that can also be dangerous for men. Pilate should have paid attention to his wife no matter how emotional she appeared to him to be. Now think again about these two big areas for men and women and notice how they often relate to each other. Here's an angry man which causes his wife to be fearful of him or his decisions. And here is a fearful wife which causes the husband to not want to trust her counsel. But men, we all need our wives' counsel. 
Then the husband doesn't listen to his wife and doesn't communicate with her. And if she's not careful, she will immerse herself in a fantasy world. I've seen ladies who immerse themselves in a fantasy world of soap operas, romance novels, and all kinds of things like that. And that can cause her emotions to be stirred the wrong way with unrealistic expectations toward her husband and these emotional conflicts between men and women, then they just begin to pile up. Remember what we're talking about, how God made emotions so that we could sense joy, love, and peace in our relationship and fellowship with God and with each other. And that, I believe, is still one of God's primary purposes for emotions. Romans fifteen thirteen talks about God filling you with joy and peace. And I feel sorry for so many people out yonder who have never experienced the feelings of joy, love, peace, excitement, and encouragement that comes from fellowship with the God who made us. You know, there are a lot of other good reasons to get saved, to get right with God. That reason alone ought to be enough. Now, where are your emotions located? It would seem simple to say that they are somewhere inside of you. But knowledge in this area is critical if you're going to understand God's way to deal with your wrong emotions. You can understand it better by looking at Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And notice this, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became... A living soul. Now I want to tie another verse together with that one. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. And you compare those two verses. And it is the same Hebrew word where God breathed into Adam's nostrils. The breath of life. Same Hebrew word for the spirit of man. So what did God breathe into man? He breathed into man both man's spirit and his soul. The spirit is the real you. The soul is the manifestation of the real you. And the body is the tangible, specially formed container for your spirit and your soul. It was not Adam's body that gave life to Adam's soul. It was Adam's soul that gave life to Adam's body. So what is the soul area? What do you have because of your soul that you would not have otherwise? Picture with me. Adam laying on the ground in the Garden of Eden. His body is there. He is not dead. He has never yet been alive. He has ears, eyes, a brain, arms, fingers, and legs. And God breathes into Adam the breath of life, the spirit of life, and Man becomes a living soul. And there are three things now that Adam, awake and moving, has that he did not have before. He has a mind that could think. It requires more to think than just a brain. 
He has a will that can act and he has emotions that can be stirred. Say those three words with me, would you please? He has a mind that can think. He has a will that can act. He has emotions that can be stirred. Your soul is where your mind, will, and emotions are located. Now let me give you the scripture for this. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9 shows the mind. Only take heed of thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen but teach them thy son, thy son, son. The soul causes the brain to remember or forget. Have you noticed? We tend to forget the things we ought to remember And to remember the things we ought to forget. By the way, the best teaching is not from your lips to somebody else's ear. The best teaching is from your soul to somebody else's soul. Then there is the will. Deuteronomy 26, 16. Obey God's statutes and judgments with all thy soul. In other words, determine to do this. And then do it. The soul area is the area where you decide you're going to do something and you do it. You decide you're not going to quit, so you don't. Some people just decide to do wrong and they do it. Now listen to all the emotions that the Bible specifically describes as coming from the soul. Genesis 42:21 in that we saw the anguish of his soul. Anguish comes from the soul. Num- Numbers 11:6. Six, six. Our soul is dried away. Discontent is found in the soul. Numbers 21, 4, discouragement is in the soul. Deuteronomy 12, 15, the soul is a place of intense desire. Whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Judges 10, 16, grief is found in the soul. Judges 16, 16, vexation and frustration. In 1 Samuel 1, 10, bitterness is a function of the soul. 2 Samuel 13, 39, the soul of King David longeth to go forth unto Absalom. The feeling of missing somebody. The feeling of homesickness for somebody. That comes from the soul. Job 14, 22, his soul in him shall mourn. Mourning is in the soul. Psalm 35, 9, joyfulness is in the soul. Humility is in the soul. Uh, Psalm 141, verse 8, leave not my soul destitute. Isaiah 42, 1, delight is in the soul. Isaiah 53, 11, the travail of his soul. Jeremiah 31, 25, the soul can experience Weariness. In fact, your body may be tired but can keep going unless your soul gets weary. And if your soul gets weary, you will reach the point you, you just lack the drive to accomplish what you need to accomplish. John 12, 27, my soul is troubled. Acts 24, 2, 43, fear came upon every soul. Genesis 34, 3, the love of a man and a woman for each other. Those emotions come from the soul. Number four, very important. Realize you must not follow your emotions. Now let me point out something to you interesting. 
The word emotions is not found anywhere in your Bible. What is the word then? We all recognize it. The word feel or feeling is found. And the first mention of that is in Genesis chapter 27 verse 12 where Jacob said, My father Isaac peradventure will feel me and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And Isaac did feel of his son Jacob and was deceived by what he felt. If you follow your feelings or your emotions, you will find yourself living life like you are on a wild roller coaster. I talked to a friend. I said, how you doing? He said, emotionally, I'm having a really tough time. Then he told me that the finances were several thousand dollars short. Then he told me they had several deaths in their family in the last year. Then he told me about friends who had rejected him. Then he told me about people who were loyal and loved him and encouraged him. Imagine the range of emotions there. And everyone here at some time could tell some story like that. Picture the roller coaster someone can find themselves on if they let their emotions be in charge of their life. How many of y'all like roller coasters? Let me see your hands. All right, let me see. All right. We got a bunch of people here who like roller coasters and my hand is lifted. I like them as well. I went for a period of time after my heart attack where I didn't ride a roller coaster. And and then I said, no, I'm going to try it. And and I just like those things. But all right, I'm going to picture for you here the roller coaster. You start off, you hear that. Click, 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 click. Y'all hear that? And you climb up, up, up the hill of excitement and anticipation. Then there's a brief feeling of peace and calm. You coast down and around a little ways on the track of fear. Then comes an unexpected, devastating free fall as rejection and loneliness plunge you into the valley of depression and discouragement. Then there is the up and down and up and down and up and down of moodiness. And just about the time you think everything's about to settle down, you're thrown into the loop-de-loop of love. <laughs> Maybe that's where the phrase head over Hills in love comes from. Then there is the twisting, gut-wrenching spiral of bitterness and frustration. Followed by the curve of jealousy. Followed by the hill of joy. Followed by the curve of anger. Followed by the final days spent with some loved one. And the sudden, very abrupt stop of grief. And... It starts all over again and again and goes around and around again and again. And a roller coaster might be fun to ride for a little while, but all of us should know better than to try to live on one of those. That's why I'm telling you, you must not follow your emotions. You must not let your emotions lead you around. They are deceitful. They will fool you. How many have experienced this? Psalm 42, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. What's he saying? Sometimes everything is up, your emotions are down. How many ever experienced that? 
Sometimes everything is down. Your emotions are up. Did you ever wake up in the morning? I've done this many times and thought to myself, why am I discouraged this morning? Why do I feel depressed? I've quoted that verse to myself on so many occasions. And I stop and I say, you know, wait a minute. There is no reason for me to feel discouraged and depressed this morning. And God said, hope in Him. I'm just going to do that. You can be afraid when there's absolutely nothing to fear. Psalm 53, 5. There were they in great fear where no fear was. You can also be fearless when you ought to be afraid. I talked to a lady who told me that her sister married a guy and they warned her over and over. There's something about him. You should not marry him. And after she was married to him for a few months and one day the authorities broke in their house and arrested him, she found out she had married a serial killer who had killed a whole bunch of people. But she wasn't afraid of marrying him at all. She was in love with him. You can feel the emotion of love for someone whom you know you should not love. And because the church and parents in our day haven't protected young people with biblical truths, it's not unusual for some girl or guy even at 15 or 16 years of age, and they're not ready to get married, but they love someone one week. They hate them the next week. Um, The next week, they're jealous of them. The next week, they're angry with them. And the next week, they're in love all over again. What wonderful preparation for stable home life. Think about that. People are often depressed. And you ask them, why are you depressed? And they will say, I really don't know why I'm depressed. I just am. Most of us that sometimes have some wrong emotions, we do. They're so powerful that we have a tendency to follow them wherever they lead us. We're not careful. If you're not careful, your emotions will just lead you around. You have to understand how and why God made our emotions You have to understand you must not follow your emotions. And number five, this is my key point. You must learn to let God lead you through your mind and your will. You let God lead you by putting your mind under the command of Christ. And your mind under the command of Christ tells your will what you're supposed to do. And your emotions then must follow. That must always be the correct order. Mine will. Emotions don't ever let the emotions be in charge. You can see great men in the Bible who followed this very clearly. Job did this when he said, The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. In fact, the great men and women of the Bible were continually using this approach to accomplish the perfect will of God for their lives. And part of this is deciding 
If you're going to have this mind controlling your will and your emotion, you have to decide what kind of thoughts you're going to be thinking and refuse to let your thoughts be carried away captive by Satan's lies. It's no wonder that many people have problems with their emotions. They're always thinking horrible thoughts, negative thoughts, lustful thoughts, critical thoughts, judgmental thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 tells you and me the thoughts we're clearly supposed to have. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, it's a lie that God doesn't love you and that no one else cares about you either. That's a lie. And you know what you have to do sometimes? You have to speak out loud and tell yourself what you need to hear. I said to my wife recently, as I was dealing with something that was, it it was tending to really depress me. And I, and I said to her, you know what I'm having to do? I'm having to speak out loud to myself and I'm having to say to myself, you know what? That is not so. And this is what is so. And I have to describe it to myself. And it helped me lift me. Because I wasn't having the right thoughts. And I needed my mind to hear the right thoughts. And so I just spoke out loud. Told myself what I needed to hear. So that I could hear it. Whatsoever things are honest. It's dishonest to think about stealing some other man's wife. It's honest to realize how good God was to give you the mate that he gave you. Whatsoever things are just, it's not just for you to sit around and figure out how to get even and become bitter and angry. Thank God that whatever you went through wasn't worse than it was. And think how the best things in life come after you forgive somebody. Whatsoever things are pure. Be careful what programs and movies you watch. Because you can pollute your thoughts. And when you pollute your thoughts, you will pervert your emotions. Make sure every day you're reading your Bible, reading good books, fellowshipping with good Christian friends, listening in church so that your thoughts are Pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Wow. Do you know I can, I can change your thought processes by going on the internet and finding beautiful videos of God's creation. Rivers and lakes and streams and mountains and eagles and birds and animals and all the, and just play that with beautiful music. And because that is lovely, God's creation is lovely because that's lovely. You, you put that in your mind. Then it will change your emotions. My wife is lovely. My children. I'm saying you got to think on these things. My children, my grandchildren. Jesus is altogether lovely. Think on whatsoever things are of a good report. Let me give you a good report. Several months ago I was in Arkansas. 
And they had a new church there that I was preaching in. And they had, I think it was nine people ready to baptize. And that is the baptism I did. Isn't that one of the most beautiful sights you've ever seen? I said, if the church gives me that they didn't have a pastor and they asked me if I would baptize and, 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 and it's just what's over it. It's a good report and it's a lovely thing. What is a good report? Somebody getting victory over a bad habit somebody following God's plan to get to the marriage altar somebody who has a good marriage could I ask you what are you thinking about in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity Every thought to the obedience of Christ. False, ugly thoughts rise up. Trying to mess up your emotions so that they can mess up your life. Cast them down. Replace them with good thoughts. Jesus demonstrated how to do this over and over throughout his entire life. Resisting the temptation in the wilderness. He did this because he quoted, he quoted scripture to Satan. You will never be effective in any area of service for God till you learn to let the Holy Spirit put your mind and will over your emotions that means this when you walk into church there are times you walk in church and you're a little bit down you don't feel like singing and the song leader stands up and says turn to him number so and so let's sing amazing grace let's all stand together and you say i don't feel like it today i don't feel like singing and you know what you do If you will go ahead and sing, you put your mind, I'm in church, it's time to sing. And you put your mind over your will. All right? Take the book and sing. And as you start to sing, your emotions will change. But you can't let your emotions lead you. You you sing when you don't feel like it. You pray when you would rather do something else. You always keep the mind under the command of Christ. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, looked past the cross to the emotion of joy. There was no purpose for the emotion of shame, so he simply discarded it. Now, this is the proper scenario, but you know what? There are other scenarios that you can take with mind, will, emotions. You can turn this upside down and have your emotions dealing with your will And the mind will be defeated. Pastor, this happens in church life and causes people who should not leave churches to leave churches. Because something stirred their emotion the wrong way. And now their will is adamant and uh, I, I can justify this. In Genesis chapter 37, you can see this as Joseph's brothers... Angry and full of hate and jealousy determined that they would get rid of their brother. And they were ready. They threw him in a pit. We're going to kill him. And at least one of them, Judah, 
put his emotions in their rightful place and said, let's sell him as a slave instead of killing him. You can really see the emotion, the will, the mind thing in the life of Samson. As Samson let his emotions control his will and defeat his mind completely. He was in love with Delilah. And he went and laid his head in Delilah's lap. And Delilah leaned over and kissed him on the cheek and said, Samson, honey, I love you. And Samson, his mind is gone. He's in love. In fact, Judges 16, 15, she said to him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with thee? Thou hast mocked me these three times. You know what happened? Um, he, he said to her, she said, Samson, honey, where, where do you get this great strength from anyway? He said, if you tie me with seven green vines or cords or branches, I'll be weak and be like any other man. You know what she did? She did it. She tied him up with that. He broke those things, came out victorious. Now, any man who has any mind left at all, what's he going to say at that point? Come on, folks. He's going to say, wait a minute, woman. You did that to me after I told you that. But you know what? He goes back, lays his head in her lap again. Samson, honey, you didn't tell me the truth before. Don't you love me? Please tell me the truth. And he says, you know, if you bind me with new ropes, brand new ropes, then I'll be weak and be like any other man. Do you know what she did? She did it. She bound him with new ropes. He broke the ropes. He jumps up. And she said, "He." and you know what? What, what does any man in his right man, this is twice now folks, alright? What does any man who has any mind left, what does he do? He says, you know what lady, I'm out of here. You ain't doing that to me again. That's a, that's a way a, a southerner would have said it to him, <laughs> you know? And anyway, he goes back again. And she speaks in his ear and Blows in his ear. Samson, darling, I love you so much. Why haven't you told me? Well, duh. Why haven't I? He should be saying, duh. Why haven't I? He says, if you will braid my hair with seven braids. He's got this long hair from his Nazarite vow. And she braids this thing into seven Big, long braids and ties a stick, I think, on them. And Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He jumps up, throws those things all over the place, and he looks like a fool. Now, any man who has any mind at all at this point, what does he do? Oh, no. He's in love with her. I'm smitten. Samson, honey. You lied to me three times. Please tell me where your great strength lies. You know, if you shave my head, I'll be like any other man. Guess what happened? 
She did it. Put him into complete bondage. Until eventually, he's standing in the temple of Dagon and says to a little boy, let me put my hands. He's blind. She, she had, they, they put his eyes out. They bound him. His strength is gone. Why? Because he let his emotions totally be in complete charge of his life. A prominent Christian man years ago became infatuated with another man's wife. And left with that other man's wife. And when they looked on his desk, he left behind a sheet of paper. On that sheet of paper was the, on this side was the name of his wife, the name of his children, the name of his ministry, that he had had 15 years in that ministry. He wrote, I have a good name. I am financially stable. I have a personal testimony. I have the testimony of Christ. I have the testimony of the church. On the other side, he's, he's, he's reasoning this out. He wrote that other woman's name. And he left all of that and ran off with that other woman. There's another scenario here. And that is emotion plus the mind will defeat your will. You can see this with the children of Israel, Kadesh Barnea. They had left Egypt in order to go into Canaan. They had made a commitment that they would go. But the emotion of fear, there's giants over there. It cannot be done. Let's go back into Egypt. Excuse me. There is no will left to do the will of God. And they paid for that scenario with 40 years of their lives. Peter denying Christ. Earlier he had said, I'm ready to go to prison and death for you, Jesus. But the fear of man led him to lie and say, I'm not even one of his disciples. So what do you do when your mind is, you let God lead you through your mind and uh, your, your mind's under Christ. Your, your will, your mind tells your will what to do. Your emotions follow. What do you do when your mind is confused? Your will is messed up. Your emotions are all fouled up. There is a verse of scripture for this. Psalm chapter 23. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. God wants to put the soul back in the proper configuration. In fact, the Hebrew word for restore also appears in Psalm chapter 19 verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Restore, convert. It means that the Lord will restore your soul, repair your soul, refresh your soul, return your soul to that which is proper. And that is always the proper configuration for your soul. Your mind, find out what Christ wants you to do. Tells your will, here's what you're supposed to do. Your emotions, did you know your emotions will eventually follow if you will do that particular scenario? And there's my opening story with Mary Beth Kramer. And now she is in the office with James. 
And he has just shut the door and told her that he is in love with her. And he, she says, I broke into sobs and said to him more than I should have said. And then I said, I'm having a tremendous battle over you. And then she said, I looked at him and said, I'm going to have no more contact with you. We have to take extreme actions or all kinds of people's lives are going to be ruined. Wow. She put the mind back under the command of Christ. Her mind said to the will, Stop this foolishness. Her emotions did not change immediately, but eventually they would change. From that point on, things were different. We were at a crossroads. We could go the way the world deems best. Following our hearts, one of the most foolish things you will ever hear somebody say, and our society says it all the time, is follow your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't follow your heart. Follow what God wants you to do. We could choose God's way and go against our emotions. We chose to do that. My thoughts now of that time seem preposterous. How could I have ever allowed myself to get into such a situation and become such an emotional mess? I'm so glad to say that God brought Mr. Wright into my life not long after my decision to follow the Lord. God is so good. My husband and I laugh simultaneously. I'm happy to say that James and his wife are happy and serving the Lord together. I'm glad that my past experience with James is a chapter in my life which is over. I can now see situations to be avoided that are potentially dangerous. I'm more motivated to take care of my own husband and I can help others to see that when playing emotional games, nobody wins. Only frustration and heartache prevail when faced with the temptation of an emotional affair. Run for your life. I've asked people, Do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Pastor, you've done this. You've heard this over and over. Well, I feel like I would. I feel like I would. Did you know it's possible to feel like you're all right when you're not? It's possible to feel like you're lost when you're saved. Forget the feelings. Was there a time in your life when you repented of your sins and by faith trusted Jesus Christ. It is not he that feeleth good hath everlasting life. It is he that believeth hath everlasting life. Have you trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Would you bow with me please? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder how many have done that. Can you go back to a time in your life when you realized I was a lost sinner on my way to hell and I trusted Jesus and asked Him to come into my heart and be my Savior? How many can say that you know that? Lift your hands all over the house, would you please? God bless you. And I'm not even looking, really. I'm just scanning the altar. But could you not lift your hand? Do you not know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Right where you are, if you will sincerely repent of your sin and cry out to God, He'll save you. Maybe you need to come forward. There may be others coming forward on this invitation. Somebody will meet you here at the front. Take the Word of God and show you how to be saved. 
Maybe God spoke to your heart. You realize I've been following my emotions. We all do it sometime. And you need to come and say, God, I want to put my mind back under the command of Christ. Let it tell my will what to do and let my emotions eventually follow along.